Man, I'm telling you, you all have awesome pastors and Pastor John and Stephanie. Such, such a privilege and an honor to be here with you this morning. Well, my name is Sean Thomas, as Pastor John stated, and I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, my wife and my, my family and I, we, we live in Oklahoma um, uh, right now, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was thinking, though, back when I was in Detroit, so this is going to be a weird story. I'm just going to give you a heads up. Weird story. So I'm living, I'm living in Detroit. I have to be about 12, 13 at this time. In Detroit, they have this amusement park, which is kind of in Detroit. It's actually, because Michigan's surrounded by water, it's actually on an island. So I had been to this island. It was called Bablo Island, and it was an amusement park. So I had been to this island many times before, like with my aunts and with my mother and with my dad. But this is the first time that me and my buddy get to go by ourselves. So we're feeling like adults, right? We're, we're, we're feeling like, you know, this is, this is our moment. And I have to tell you, the big deal was we wanted to get girls' numbers. Like, this was, this was the highlight. Not that we would have the courage to call them, but just that, that we would be able to get these numbers. So I, I, I had some cool shoes, shoes that I thought were cool, and I had a shirt that kind of matched my shoes, and some green shorts, weird color green. This is all I have. I'm 12. Give me a break. Okay, so... Anyway, so we, we, we're on the boat, we get there, and we're thinking like, okay, whew, let's get some girls' numbers. So we, we, find, we find two girls around our age, and we're talking to them, and we're trying to say everything, you know, funny or cool that 12-year-olds can think of. And while I'm talking, I feel a tap on my shoulder. And you know, have you ever had somebody, like, tap you and then act like it wasn't them? Has anybody ever... Experience. Okay, yeah. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm, I tell my buddy, I say, hey, hey, cut it out. I know, I know what you did. And he's like, what? I didn't do anything. I'm like, I know it was you. So we're, we're going back and forth. No, I didn't. No, come, no, seriously. I know. Come on. I know. I'm, I'm not dumb. So and the girls are looking at us like, what? I thought like you, you guys are never going to get any numbers, right? So I look over at my shoulder and I see this white gooey something dripping down my shoulder. And I look at it. What had happened is a bird pooped on my shoulder while I'm talking to the girls. Needless to say, we didn't get any numbers, right? So I'm like, oh, this is the worst. This is so embarrassing. So I went into the bathroom and, and I tried to, you know, use some soap. This is like the, the late 80s. So, you know, this is the, the best soap they had. So I'm, I'm trying to get it out. Nothing's working. So I just turned the shirt inside out and I'm like, okay, this is already a terrible day. But I'm stuck on this island. I'm stuck on this island. So we figured out, what, what, do we, what do we do next? Okay, we're here. We're going to be here for about five more hours. Let's eat. I didn't eat breakfast, and they had this, this cheeseburger stand. Actually, a really good cheeseburger. I, I was going to say you should go, but the, the place burned down. You'll never be able to taste this cheeseburger. It was a great cheeseburger, though. Just trust me on it. So I had the cheeseburger, and then uh, we ate the cheeseburger, and I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, what do we, what do, we do next? My buddy said, hey, there's a ride. Let's go on that ride. So it's this ride, and you may have seen it before. You get on, you get on and this thing is round, and uh, it's like a cylinder, and it spins around so fast that you stick to the walls. Has anybody ever been on that, that thing? Okay, fun ride. Like the floor drops, and, you know, it's like, oh, am I going to fall? But you're sticking to the wall. You can't hardly move your head. So this is a great ride. Just don't have a cheeseburger before you get on there. So... I'm on this ride, and the whole time my buddy's like, ah, this is, this is crazy. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, this is getting ready to go bad. Like, this is terrible. My stomach, you know, so, I, so the bird got me. My stomach's terrible. So for the next two, three hours, I mean, I'm just feeling miserably sick. 
this is, I, I think, just a little bit of what King David felt at times in his life. He felt like he was stuck in this place where he couldn't get out of. And what I'm going to talk about this morning is Psalms chapter 27. I'm going to read it. But if you've ever felt stuck in a place where you felt like, man, this is, this is, these are some terrible things going on, but I just can't get out of it. I'm, I'm in this rut. Maybe you're in a season. Maybe, maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe it's, it's something that you keep doing. And you're like, why do I keep down the self-destructive path, whatever it is, David was in this tough situation. So he's stuck here. Now, it's one thing uh, to be stuck by your own doing because you feel like, well, okay, if I did it, maybe I can figure out how to get out of it. But it's another thing when you're, when you're stuck in situations that's coming from other people. Maybe it's, maybe it's family that's causing this. What do you do? Maybe it's work. When it's work, what do you do? Maybe the news is stressing you out. What do you do? Toxic relationships. What do you do? Well, this is what David did. I'm going to read this, Psalms chapter 27. 27. Familiar psalm. You may have heard this before. David starts off, he said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil comes to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. Verse 4, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me when, there are, when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me, at his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. Yet, I will confidently see the Lord's goodness. While I am here in the land of the living, and then he ends it this way. Verse 14, he says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes. 
Wait patiently for the Lord. Wait on the Lord is the only instruction that we see in Psalms chapter 27. It took David all that time just to say, wait on the Lord. This reminds me of uh, my wife sometimes. I, uh, any, anybody married in here? Okay, so you, you'll know this. What I'm getting ready to share with you will increase your relationship by 37.2%. I'm telling you. It's going to be real good. So, so I'll, I'll ask my wife a simple question. A yes or no question. Hey, did you end up going to Trader Joe's? You know, let me tell you. My girlfriend, she told me about these grapes, okay? So I wanted to get these grapes. I went to Walmart first, and they didn't have the grapes. And then I said, well, maybe Target has the grapes. So I went to Target, and I'm sitting there this whole time. I'm thinking like, okay, I hate this story. This is, I just want to know if you went to Trader Joe's. It's a yes or no question, right? And, and, and then, so then I ended up going to this other place. I went to Sprouts, and they had these other kind of grapes. I got some of those grapes. Ooh, I want you to taste them. And then, and and then I'm like, okay, now I hate grapes. Like, I just, can you, can you just get to the point? Now, that's what I'm thinking. This is going to help you out. That's what I'm thinking. What I've learned to say over 21 years is, what? Okay. Okay. So the grapes were green. Get out of here. All right. What? Target. Then you went to Target. Okay. Okay. And you drove there. Okay. Okay. Right. Because this helps. This is what I've learned. I used to think, like, is my wife pranking me? Like, what is going on here? This is a yes or no question. Did you go? Yeah, yes. That would have been fine. Like, what I learned is she loves me so much that she just, does, she, she just doesn't want to tell me what she did. She wants me to go on that journey with her. She's saying, no, 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 no. I could just give you a yes or no question, but I want you to experience what I experienced. That's how much I love you. I want to experience, and that's what David does here. David says, no, I, I, I want to tell you to wait on the Lord, but I want you to experience why. Because it's tough. If you've ever had to wait on the Lord, if you've had a word from the Lord, if God told you that something was going to come to pass or you had it in your heart and you've been waiting for it, it's tough. It's frustrating. It's scary. But David gives this the instruction to wait on the Lord. Write this down if you're taking notes. Your winning is hidden in your waiting. Your winning is hidden in your waiting. Your winning is hidden in your waiting. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for Vima Church. I thank you for the work that you're doing in this city. I thank you, Father God, that you have just not called them to be a church, but a church family. I thank you, Father God, that you, you are creating something in this place by where they learn to love you with all of their heart and love and trust one another. I thank you that you are drawing people from the north, the south, the east, and the west in order to be a part of this loving family where they can work through situations, where, where they, can, they, can, they can dispute and, and get happy and get glad and get sad and grieve with one another and laugh with one another. Father God, you are doing something that no one else can do in this place. I thank you for Pastor John and Stephanie. Many blessings upon them. And I thank you for the faithful people, so many of them in which I talked to that said, hey, we've been here from just about the beginning." because they know deep inside of them 
that you're doing something marvelous here. Help us to wait. Help us to wait when we're frustrated. Help us to wait. Help us to wait when we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Help us to wait on you because you are good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to read you something that God gave me. This was January 22nd of this year. So 122.22. I feel like it's something prophetic in there. Anyway, he woke me up at 3.30 in the morning and he, he gave me this and I wrote it down. Do not fret concerning God's plan. This is good for someone. The most important thing about God's plan is God's timing. It's like if you're a running back and you're waiting patiently for the offense to open the window so you can run through safely, the defense is plots and schemes against you. If you attempt to go before the time, you won't go as far and you may get hurt on the field. Wait on God's timing. Though it tarries, it is perfect and it yields unbelievable results. The what to do is the most exciting part, but the when to do it is the most important part. And here are some examples. Moses knew what to do. He was supposed to rescue the children of Israel. He was supposed to rescue them from the, from the evil reign of, of Egypt. He did it before his timing and he killed a man. He knew the what, but he went before the when. Uh, another one, Moses, the first time when the children of Israel were thirsty, God commanded him, he said, hit the rock. He hit the rock and water came out of it. The second time uh, that they were thirsty, God said, speak to the rock. Moses hit the rock because the first time he hit the rock. And in his anger, he hit the rock. And because he hit the rock at that time, the rock, it says, was a symbol of Jesus Christ. And because he hit the rock and did not speak to the rock, he was exempt from going into the promised land. God's timing is more important than his plan. God's timing is more important than his plan. Uh, David, King David, he refused. He knew the what God had anointed him to be king as a little boy. He refused to move before the wind. There were plenty of times when Saul, who was his father-in-law, trying to kill him where he could have killed him and taken over the kingdom. But he says, I refuse to go before God's timing. Wait on God's timing. Now, in another thing, David, well, you may have heard the story with Bathsheba. It says he was on the roof at a, at a roof at a time when kings should have been out to war. At a time when kings should have been out to war. God's timing is more important than his plan. This is why David's son, King Solomon, wrote, in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, he said, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. God's timing is more important than God's plan. I was called to the ministry at age 19. And I remember one of the pastors in Detroit that I used to follow, um, he had a congregation of 22,000 members. 22,000 members. And I remember I would go visit this church and I would listen to him teach and he was so profound. And I would think, okay, this is meaningful. Like this is, this is what God wants to do. God does big things and this is impactful. And that was my vision of ministry. And because I didn't, I wasn't reaching that, I felt like a failure. 
even though I was doing what God told me to do. Even though I was doing what God told me to do, I was frustrated. Why? Because I didn't understand God's timing. If you don't understand God's timing, you will make yourself miserable thinking about where I should be and what I should be doing. And they don't, they don't value me here. And, and it, it, I'm telling you, you will drive yourself mad. God's timing is more important than God's plan. It's just, as, just uh, not just important that you wait on God's timing, but how you wait on God's timing is important. The next two things I'm going to tell you I've used to attract the favor of God and the favor of man for many years. The favor of God and the favor of man for many years. In fact, once I learned these two things, added with time, I stopped praying for favor and started attracting it. You... you you need time, you need to wait, but you have to add something to it. It's like ingredients. Ingredients are important. Does anybody cook in here or bake? I'm absolutely terrible. So, so I'm gonna give you a cooking tip. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, my barber, he was telling me the other day, he said he bought some, people come into the barber shop and they sell things. So this guy came in to sell him banana bread. And he said, Sean, this banana bread look good. It look, he said, he said it, it, it looked like it was shiny on the top and it was wrapped up. He said, and I paid $5 for it and I thought like, man, I'm hungry too. He said, as soon as I got it, he said, I knew something was wrong because it started to fall apart like crackers in my hand. He said, and he was furious about it. Like he stopped cutting my hair to talk about it. He got in front of me. He was like, Sean, this banana bread was so terrible. He said, you could, I don't even think they put bananas in it. He said, I think they held the bread up to a banana just to smell the banana. Like it was that bad. He said, if I saw the guy walking down the street right now, I would stop cutting your hair and slap the bread out of his hand just to keep somebody else from, not, from going through what I went through. This was not good banana bread. So ingredients are important. Ingredients are important. You have to have these, these, uh, these two things. You have to have these two things. Uh, write, these, write these down. Grateful and faithful. Grateful and faithful. Grateful and faithful. So along with time, grateful, faithful, time. Grateful, faithful, time. Your winning is in your waiting, but how you do something is just as important as what you do. We see this in Psalms chapter 27, David starts with a heart of gratefulness. Gratefulness gives you joy and confidence, but it can't be fake gratefulness. You have to pray that it gets into your heart. You can only fake something for so long. Whatever is in your heart will come out. Jesus said this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speaks. Whatever is in your heart when the pressure is on will spill out of your mouth come out of your life and flood everybody around you, especially those who are closest to you. Why? Because those are the ones you love. Whatever is truly in your heart will come out. Whatever is truly in your heart. So it has to be genuine gratefulness. How do we get genuine gratefulness in our hearts? Make a grateful list. Write that down. Make a grateful list every day. Write five to ten things that you're grateful for. Every, every day. Every day, on your phone, on paper. And if you're like, I don't know things, 
Right weird things, right? Right weird things. Right, uh, I'm grateful for the sun. I'm grateful for oxygen. I'm grateful that my neighbor cut his grass finally today. Right, just, just anything you can start off with, and God will give you things. So every day I rehearse, God, I thank you. And I'm grateful for, for your grace upon my life. I am grateful for my wife. She is wonderful. She is beautiful. She is wise. I thank you for my oldest daughter. I thank you for my youngest daughter. I thank you for both of my sons. And I go through this list of gratefulness. It will change your perspective. It will give you joy just as it gave David joy, and it will give you confidence. You need to make a grateful list. It'll help you out. David did this. If you look through the Psalms, you see plenty of times where he just said, God, I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for that. And I thank, and he thanked God for the little things, even nature, things he had no control of. He thanked God. He was grateful for. Why? Because he was saying that even though I'm going through these situations, in my heart, in my head, perhaps in my marriage, at school, at work, even though I'm going through really hurtful situations, I believe that you are still God. I believe that you are still true. I believe that you are still good. I believe that you are still with me. I believe that you are still for me, and I am grateful. I choose to be grateful, regardless of these things going on in my life. You need to have a grateful list. Grateful, faithful time. Grateful, faithful time. I remember um, one day I slowed down long enough Slow down. So one of the things I've been practicing is stillness, being still, being in quiet. I absolutely hate it. It's uncomfortable for me, but I have to practice it. One of my one of my uh, friends, he's he's a mentor. He's done wonderful things in the world and in ministry. He told me, he said, yeah. I said, what are you getting ready to do after this? He said, well, I'm going to the park and I'm going to sit there for about two hours. And I was thinking like, that's terrible. I said, why would you do that? Are you on punishment? Like, why would you do that? But what I realized is there's a benefit in it. And one of the times where I slowed down, I was sitting there, just me and God, and I was thinking like, you know, I'm not really that happy. Why? I had a gratefulness problem. Beautiful wife, married for going on 21 years, and I was not happy. Wonderful kids, don't get in trouble. Great kids, funny, not happy. Wonderful job, promotion on every, every job that I've worked in, still not happy. Why? It wasn't the circumstances, it was the fact that I did not have a grateful heart. Here's the thing, the right person can't solve your grateful problem. There's no person. So maybe, maybe you're looking for somebody. Maybe you're waiting for a relationship, and you're like, if I just had this person to complete me and make my heart like one, and I, there is no person like that. There is no person like that. The right person cannot solve your grateful problem. The right job cannot solve your grateful problem. See, if I work somewhere and, and, they, and they really uh, understood my skills and abilities and they valued me and all these things, th- there is no place like that. Any place you work, there's going to be a mix of pros and cons. You have to intentionally choose to be grateful. The right shoes, the right, the right grades, the right house will not solve your grateful problem. You have to choose to be grateful. 
The Apostle Paul figured out how to get out of the tormenting cycle of never enough ungratefulness. He says in Philippians chapter 4, um, starting with verse 11, he said, not that, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content in whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or everything. Nothing. I've seen people destroy their lives with nothing, and I've seen people destroy their lives with everything. Why? Because money or things are not a determinant upon how you're going to live gratefully. He said, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is on a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, Vima Church family, it's not just a grateful heart, but a grateful heart fully trusting in the strength of Jesus and not your own that changes everything. Grateful, faithful time. Grateful, faithful time. We see faithfulness all through the life of uh, David. He started off as a shepherd. No one saw him there. It's a terrible job. Nobody wanted it. But you needed it. No one saw his exploit. No one saw when he killed the lion. No one saw when he killed the bear. In fact, he had to tell people he did it. Why? Because no one cared. You're with the sheep. Get out of here. His father didn't even, when the prophet came to anoint someone as king, his father didn't even, didn't even invite him. In fact, the prophet had to ask him, he said, hey, do you have any other sons? God saying this ain't the one. He was like, eh, I got David, but he out with the sheep. God don't want that. He said, no, bring David. We, in fact, the prophet said, we won't even sit down to eat. Gave him incentive until David gets here. Ah, go get David. Right? No, no, no one saw that, but David was faithful. God saw it. God sees your faithfulness. David was then a musician. This is after David had killed the bear and the lion. So he had warrior in him, yet he was doing music. That could have been frustrating. Wait a minute. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a warrior, but you have me playing the harp. But he was faithful. Then David became a warrior, and then he became kings. All steps. Write this down. Be unusually faithful to whatever God puts into your hands. Unusually faithful with whatever God puts into your hands. Be unusually faithful with whatever God puts into your hands, and small things will push you into and prepare you for big things. There are no small things with God. Whatever you are doing now is preparation for what you are going to do next. If you are grateful, faithful, and give it time. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Now, faithfulness can be frustrating. I remember being in the ministry for years. Even I'll tell you this. This is how, this is how uh, much grace God gave me. I remember going to, me and my buddy, we went to a conference in Missouri. And it was uh, this, uh, this woman, she works in the prophetic, and she has an orphanage and signs and wonders and healing. So we're at this conference. I'm standing up front, and someone's praying for me. And I sense the power of God. And they say, they say, uh, God is saying he's going to give you new wineskins and that you're going to be a good pastor. At this time, I'm working full time for the city. I'm a, a manager for the, for the city of Tulsa. And, um, and I'm hearing this word and I'm crying. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I go uh, a couple months later down the road. I went to another conference with my buddy in Tulsa. And um, then somebody prays for me up front and they pray the exact same thing. 
God's saying he's going to give you new wineskins. I went to um, some other conferences. This guy calls me out of the crowd. Hey, you, 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 come here, come here, come here. He calls me out of the crowd and prays for me. You would think that this would be encouraging. You would think that I would say, oh, yes, okay, I'm on the right road. No, it made me discouraged. In fact, what I told God was, whatever you're telling these people, it ain't working. Why? Because I did not have a faithful heart. Because I did not have a faithful heart. So faithfulness can be frustrating. You're working. You're doing the job. You're, you're doing the, you're, you're, you perhaps are doing a job that you're not getting paid for. Let me tell you, stay faithful. God sees it, and his reward is greater than any reward that man can give you. Stay faithful. Grateful, faithful time. Grateful, faithful time. I remember working at a major insurance company in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and um, they had, they, they called us from, from the office that we were at, and I was a trainer, and they called us and they told us to come to the home base. So we're all there, people are nervous, nobody knows what's going on, and uh, one of my um, form, uh, teammates, she says, I don't know, she said, uh, she said I'll just call him uh, John. She said, John is not, um, he's not, not your pastor, John, another John. Let me say Philip. Okay, anyway. So she said, Philip's not giving anybody any eye contact. And I was like, what? He's giving people eye contact. That's crazy. So he walks by and I said, hey, how you doing, Philip? And then he was like, hey, how you doing, Sean? I was like, oh my goodness, he's not giving eye contact. This is a problem. So we, we get down there. Nobody knows what's going on. We're there. And they called everybody back. And I was just sitting there and I was like, okay. Something bad is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. But let me just express my gratefulness. And I went up to him and I said, hey, Philip. He said, uh, uh, hey, hey, Sean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something right now, but I'll be able to get to you later. I said, hey, before, before, you know, I said, I don't know what's happening today. I just want to tell you, I thank God for you as a supervisor. I thank you for bringing me onto the team. And I'm grateful for this opportunity. And when, when he, he did that, what ended up happening is they did a big layoff. And he would call me up and say, hey, Sean. I, I, I hope it's okay. I'm not supposed to be doing this, but I sent your resume here. And the HR person would say, hey, Sean, I hope it's okay, and I sent your resume here. And the, the, another supervisor would say, hey, I, 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 I hope it's okay. I sent your resume here. Why? Because they knew that I was grateful and faithful to them, but not just them. I was grateful and faithful to Jesus. But it took time. What I want to tell you today is grateful, faithful time will get you to places that you can't take yourself. But you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Everybody bow your heads for me. If you're saying, Sean, I get it. I, 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 I get it. I need God to do something in my life that I cannot do by myself. I need the intervention of God. I want you to raise your hand. I would love to pray for you. I would love to pray for you. Yes, I see your hands. I see your hands. God bless you. I see your hand. I see your hands over there. God bless you. Any more hands? You say, hey, I need God to intervene into my situation. Yes, 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 yes. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for these wonderful, beautiful people, your children, your sons and daughters. I pray that they know that you love them. I pray that they know that you see them. I pray that they know that while they are being grateful, even though it's tough, 
and being faithful even though it's difficult and it's taking far longer than they ever would imagine or would have planned if they would have planned it that you are working something in them and through them in the meantime I pray that you give them a heart of gratefulness a heart of faithfulness Help them to desire the things that you desire, want the things that you want, and despise the things that you despise, Father God. I ask that you use them mightily in the small things. Every royal command that comes from heaven into their heart, may they take it as if it's everything and be unusually faithful to it until they see your beauty and your greatness worked in them and also through them. Now I'm going to ask if you do not know Jesus in here today and you say, you know what? I need Jesus in my heart. Raise your hand for me. I would love to pray for you. You can be connected with him this morning, right now. Any hands to know Jesus Christ. Amen. Father God, we thank you for this church. We thank you for this church family. We thank you for what you're doing in Wichita through this church family. I pray many blessings upon them, your goodness upon them, your grace upon them, your power and your anointing upon them and through them. And we are grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, FEMA Church. Love you all.